Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Professor Antonio Damasio will join us to discuss the strange order of things. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Science show. Well, how can an understanding of the neuroscience of the brain tell us something about beginnings and making of cultures? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Professor Antonio Damasio. Professor Damasio is university professor, David Dornsfeld, professor of neuroscience, psychology, and philosophy, and director of the Brain and Creativity Institute at the University of Southern California. He's won numerous awards, including the Freud Medal from the Royal Dutch Academy of Sciences, and he's also a member of the National Academy of Medicine and fellow of the Academy of Arts and Sciences. He's the author of numerous scientific papers and popular works, including Descartes' Error, The Feeling of What Happens, and his new book entitled The Strange Order of Things, Life, Feeling, and the Making of Cultures. And Professor Damasio, very pleased to have you today on the Grox Science Show. Very pleased to be back. Thank you. Well, it is certainly our pleasure, certainly a great book you've written here. I'm curious why you decided to put this book together. Well, I think it's, um, as you know, uh, my, my interest as a neuroscientist and as a and as an explorer of um, mental phenomena uh, is, uh, especially with affect, with um, emotion and feeling, and with how uh, affective processes influence our behavior, how they influence our reasoning, how they influence our choices, and and really the the the, the participation they have in our daily life. Uh, and my interest there is uh, very clear. Um, I have the impression, which I think is generally confirmed, that people pay far more attention to uh, cold cognition to, for example, just uh, aspects that have to do with perception or, or, or knowledge or, or uh, reasoning and decisions, uh, then they pay attention to, for example, emotions and feelings and to the role they play uh, in the governance of our life. Uh, and so my, my interest to begin with is on the area of effect, uh, not that I'm not interested in the rest, but that I think that the, uh, the, the effect is so important in governing the rest of our uh, mental operations that we need to pay far more attention to it than we do. So uh, this is something that I have explored in a, in a number of uh, scientific projects and, as you mentioned, in previous books. But what I had not done is something that I think is equally important, is take the issue of affect and of the rest of cognition in a perspective that is historical. In other words, look at life uh, historically, evolutionarily, and consider the four billion years of life on Earth uh, and ask questions about how is it that certain very complex phenomena such as cultures 
uh, ever developed, and then, going back to my interest in effect, ask the question, what role did effect play in those developments? Uh, the reason why this is important is that, of course, as you know, uh, again, uh, most people will say, well, you know, cultures have to do with the, the degree of knowledge and the analysis we make of the phenomena uh, around us. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that is what is going to play the critical role in establishing not just science and technology, but before that, the arts and, say, social and political systems. Uh, and, and again, the, the force is all given to these processes that are what I call cold cognition. And, and my claim is that none, none of these processes, these cultural processes, would ever have happened if it weren't the fact that we are regulating our lives. That's why my subtitle in the book talks about life and then feeling and then the making of cultures. And we are regulating life, and in the process of regulating life, once uh, creatures were complex enough, they developed the possibility of experiencing feelings, being conscious of feelings, which, by the way, are expressions of the regulation of life. And it is only through that that eventually you come to develop the other aspects that are so important on our day-to-day -day and so important, of course, in the further development of cultures, which have to do with cognition in general. So it's, it's a matter of putting things in the order which I think is correct from a point of view of history, of biology, and that therefore the title The Strange Order of Things, because people are unlikely to think about, about effect as the prime mover for what we call cultures today. So that's the, 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 the first answer to your very good question. The idea being, again, that affect is there to begin with, and thus sort of the primary mover is that then brings all these other aspects of our culture to life. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because what's, what's there at the beginning, for example, when you consider uh, the life of, say, unicellular organisms such as bacteria, it's actually not even affect. It's what comes before affect. So it's, it's deep, deep, deep down. It's, it's the, the collection of processes that allows life to be regulated in a very simple organism, such as bacteria, uh, which doesn't even have a nucleus, let alone a nervous system or a mind or the possibility of making informed decisions based on knowledge. None of that is possible for these simple creatures. These simple creatures are being governed in in terms of their regulation of life and in terms of how that regulation operates in relation to others. So they do have a social life in the, in the sense that they can um, aggregate uh, and, and create societies in a way. Uh, they can, for example, respond to threats, uh, massive threats, by uh, pulling together and defending themselves, or if there are no threats and if they have plenty of nourishment uh, in the environment, they can be more relaxed and be separate. But so the, the essence of the 
the, the collection of reactions with which we govern life is already there, present in those very simple organisms. And then much, much later, we're talking about something like 500 million years, uh, as opposed to 4 billion, uh, we get the possibility of having nervous systems and having minds, and that's when the, this whole effect, quote-unquote, uh, um, flourishes and blossoms, and where you have the possibility of feelings that then start governing very consciously our behaviors, because they will give us either pain or pleasure, and that indicates to us that we should either withdraw or approach, and there is a fundamental guide, a fundamental force in the way we're going to run our lives. Uh, but it is, it is a story, as you will agree, that is a bit strange because it doesn't, it's not the way we like to tell it. You know, normally you think, well, you know, simple organisms are simple organisms. Not only do they not have minds, but they do not have any uh, kind of interesting social phenomena. That's not true. Uh, and then we think, well, how could you get to the brilliant culture we have today with the great science, great technology, great arts, great uh, sociopolitical systems? <laughs> or oh, not so great, by the way. Uh, so the, 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 the answer that one wants to give and is most natural is that all of that comes from great cognition, from knowledge, from the analysis of knowledge. And I say, well... That's very important, but that's the tail end of it. That's the sort of the upper echelons of our abilities and our structuring of cultures. Long before that, we were being organized by much simpler phenomena of regulation of life, uh, and particularly by the phenomena of feeling, and that was what was guiding our behavior long before we had large brains and the capacity to, to know things, remember things, manipulate ideas. It's interesting that you quip a little bit about our political systems. I mean, some might argue that were it not for these feelings, perhaps, that are at the base of all these things, maybe things might act a little more rationally. But is it even possible, then, do you think, when we're to remove all affect, all feelings, that we could even have culture? Uh, I don't think we would. That's the first thing. And I don't think we would be better if we didn't have it politically. Because I think that what what people tend, it's very, a very good question that you pose, because it, it is so often the case that people say, it's actually the, the case that many people will make against emotion and feeling is to say, look, uh, don't be so emotional. Don't, don't be governed by your feelings, be governed by your reason. Well, reason without feelings as a base uh, and as a guide as actually a moral guide, uh, reason is not going to do good things for you. It's actually going to drive you deeper into the hole. Uh, what people tend not to make is the distinction between good feelings and bad feelings. Let me give you an example. When you look at emotive behaviors, there are some emotive behaviors that I regard as highly praiseworthy and others that are not very good for us and in fact, are more likely to do damage than not. For example, fear. For example, anger. Uh, spite of every kind. You know, when, when you despise a person or an idea. Uh, those negative feelings are in fact the ones that normally drive uh, very sick 
uh, in distorted uh, social processes. Um, but on the other hand, think about joy. Think about uh, the, 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 all the feelings that come from benevolence, compassion, uh, caring of others, admiration. All of those are feelings as well, and they have played a huge role in history, except that people spend their time giving most attention to the bad feelings, to the bad emotions. And those are the ones that I think are pernicious in public social life. Um, but if we were if we were governed by the, our, our you know the, the 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 best elements in our minds and the best elements in effect, we would actually have a, a very good society, uh, and we would we would be able to to make choices on the basis of goodness, on the basis of what is conducive to life and flourishing and health, as opposed to what is conducive to loss and misery and death. So I, here's my defense for, for good feelings as opposed to bad feelings. And I think you should insist that people, uh, when they talk about the, 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 the bad things about emotion, should say, wait a minute, what kind of emotions are you talking about? What kind of feelings are you talking about? The good stuff or the bad stuff? Do you think it might be the case, though, that the brain might just be more hardwired to react to the bad stuff rather than the good stuff, and so that that winds up being a stronger motivator? <laughs> you're 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 making a very interesting and I think valid point. Is that well, the the, the brain is hard, hardwired to do both. There's no question about it. But it was first probably hardwired to uh, react to the negative stuff. Why? Because it's defensive. Uh, so you, if you have fear uh, and you have a well-organized fear reaction, you're more likely to survive a threat uh, than not. And if you are angry, uh, in, when you go back to the old days in which we were really talking about uh, savage behavior, even pre-human, let alone human, uh, if, you're, if you're angry, you have the chance of fighting an enemy physically, effectively. So no question that those were very important things. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would like to believe that at this stage in, uh, in our evolution and at this stage in human cultures, uh, we can sort things out uh, without having to take um, guns and uh, knives to the others. We, we can solve things by discussing them, by analyzing them. And that's, of course, what is so praiseworthy in our evolution. Uh, and so I think that although the, those benevolent uh, effects came later, um, the, first of all, they, they came later, but they had to be present to begin with, because if they didn't, we would not have had life um, moving forward anyway. Uh, but of course, they, they, they are a little bit more difficult to cultivate and the, the other ones uh, sort of um, trigger off in very rapid manner because it's very defensive, uh, whereas the other ones need to be more cultivated. Um, but I think, you know, there's, there's goodness in every creature and there those very good, powerful uh, feelings of positivity towards others. Uh, if they weren't there, we would never have had societies either, you know. It was always a matter of 
defense to maintain physical integrity, but at the same time, um, something that has to do with attraction to the other and with the ability to build community. And to build community, not to mention to build to build families to start with. Otherwise, you know, if there hadn't been the positivity that comes from uh, um, love and attraction and so forth, we would not have had any, any evolution either. Uh, at least when once we start doing it with the with the, the human face. Affect feelings they exist in other organisms, other mammals, but something unique about humans and development of a human cultural mind exists due to some interesting aspect of the interaction with our feelings through higher cognition. What is it about that interaction give rise to the diversity of human culture? And it all has to do with something that does need to. Let me see if I, if I, your your question is excellent, and the the point to be made is this: I think that you would not have human cultures uh, with all their diversity uh, if you did not have this this uh, force that literally came from below. I was just making a movement with my hand from below going up. Uh, that force that came from prior generations and that comes from the organization of behavior and that has to do with the regulation of life. But then... Even if you had that, you had to have this other complement, which is, of course, the one that we normally pay most attention to, which is the, the, the possibility of perceiving well what is outside of us, what is around us, and the possibility of analyzing it, the possibility of making distinctions, of uh, realizing that something that you're perceiving uh, as a process is going to be better for you and for your group uh, than something else that you are going to judge as less good. But keep in mind that what you judge good and what you judge less good has, is a, a judgment that is based on effect because the goodness and the badness is something that you need to classify in terms of the effect it causes on the life of another organism or, or yourself. Um, so you, you have this combination of what is simple, effective, and very general that has to be there anyway for all organisms. And then the, the things that are particular and which have to do with how smart you are with your perception, how smart you are with the analysis you make of situations, how you commit that to memory, and how you can reason with that creatively. Because today, of course, what is distinctive in the culture is how you take that knowledge and you play with it uh, creatively. And, and, and that's, of course, what distinguishes one culture from another in terms of what it produces, what it produces scientifically, technically, artistically, and so forth. But what is interesting is that, once again, the judgments you make of the things that you do have a component that is always effective. You know, I'm just thinking when when I said the word technology, suddenly what flashed in my mind is aircraft. Um, and look at what is happening currently with a very famous um, um, company that makes airplanes, and the fact that 
from a point of view that that the technology that allowed that particular plane that is so troubled to be built is a technology that came out of incredible smarts of a large number of people in that particular case for for decades actually plus all the developments that happened in the past few years as they developed that new model then something went wrong because there was something that was wrong with the technology and accidents happened the judgment that you make on the situation although most people pay attention to the fact well there was something wrong with the with the software there was something wrong with the way it was presented to people there was something wrong with the training the pilots received and so forth all of that is factual and it has to do with our traditional ways of dealing with cultures and knowledge and so forth however what is really important but and people are not quite spelling out is that you are morally outraged that people could sell a plane that did not have enough instructions for the pilots to manage unless they had gotten particular instructions from a good company that insisted on them and and that judgment that moral judgment is made when i said the word outrage i was pointing to the fact that that judgment is based not on regular cognition, but on affect. But, but even, it was very interesting, even the word outrage is, is a marvelous word because we were talking about anger. Well, here's a case where anger is probably, well, not the best of the sentiments you could have, but probably is justified. And when you say outrage, uh, the, 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 the English formation of that word is beautiful. You know, it's rage that goes out. That's exactly what you want to say. So you're angry, you're pissed off, and you you say, why on earth there are hundreds of people that have died because of a mistake that could have been avoided? But that's not intellectual. You know, you're, what, that reaction is not a reaction that you're having because there there were a, a few less lines of code in the in the program. You're having that reaction because people died, and 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 they didn't need to die, and that was something that could have been avoided uh, if there had been proper uh, observation of uh, the ethics of the situation. And so that is effect. But we, we, we sort of keep on going, uh, making analysis of culture as if all that counted was the knowledge and its manipulation, and you have this other thing that is there in the background constantly governing our behavior, sometimes more intensely, sometimes less, but it's there. So not, not only is it the first, therefore the strange order, but it stays there forever. We are still under the, the, the sway of um, the, the, the life-governing systems that eventually created for us what we call feelings. What do you think at least a understanding of how our cultures arise from affect or from feelings can really in inform the development of human culture now and the human condition going forward? Well, I, I think that it would be it would be helpful for people to pay to pay due respect to 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 this reality, to to the reality that behind cultural developments of any kind, of every kind, there is the necessity of governing life. That's the 
prime necessity. Of course, we're so distracted by everything that we have to do in our professions, in our uh, daily life, that you know you you don't wake up in the morning and say, "Well, uh, I'm I'm here and I'm inserted in this particularly in this particular life uh, country uh, um, system of government because I need to govern my life." That we, we don't think that way. You go about it thinking about the things that are closest to us in terms of what we need to do in the way we've organized our day. But the very important thing is to for people to think, wait a minute, this is about everything we do is about being alive or not. It's about being alive and being the curators of that life in terms of maintaining our health, for example, in terms of maintaining our integrity, both physical and moral and so forth. So that's the critical thing. So the, 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 there is one very simple justification for everything we do, uh, and, and that is the fact that we are alive. Uh, and, and so what, what I, to answer your question is pay attention to that fact and then realize that life the state of life is expressed mentally as a feeling. The way you know if you're doing well or not in your life or if you need to go to the doctor is by very simply paying attention to how you feel. And if I ask you, you will say, my well-being is great, I'm fine, I'm healthy. And you say that you're healthy because you're not having pain, you're not having malaise, you're not having any of those things that would distress you and would make you go to the doctor. And, and that's something that is both uh, patently obvious and obviously forgotten. And that's what I want to call attention to. Well, we were just talking with Professor Antonio Damasio, his new book, The Strange Order of Things, Life, Feeling, and the Making of Cultures. And Professor Damasio, I want to thank you very much for uh, joining us again on the Grox Science Show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for asking. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grox Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at grox.net. For Grox Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.